Well, amen, amen. Great to see you guys here this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, I hope you brought one with you today. Go ahead and make your way to the book of Proverbs. So we're going to be at today. And if you are a visitor with us today, thank you for joining us, worshiping Christ together. You'll find out real quickly that we are a church about God's Word and allowing it to shape our church, but also shape our lives. So we've been looking at this everyday worship series because God is great and greatly to be praised. So He's worthy to be praised much more than just on a Sunday morning, but every day of our lives. So we looked at last week how we worship God through the platform of marriage. And Pastor Brandon taught well from um, the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And this week we're going to look at friendship. Friendship from uh, Proverbs. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 27, but uh, I'm going to reference Proverbs a lot. A lot of different uh, passages from Proverbs. Because if you're familiar with the Bible, um, Proverbs is just kind of mixed in Uh, with all these different um, wise sayings on different topics. I would really encourage you um, to to read Proverbs and and look for major themes and maybe even put like a a star beside it or a letter that helps you see clearly. Because it would be great if I could say open up to Proverbs 16 and Proverbs 16 is nothing but friendship. And then we'll look at marriage in Proverbs 20. That's not how Proverbs works. Um, So there's a lot of themes and there's all kind of mixed together. So what I've done over the years is I read through it and I'll highlight, this is a passage on money and I'll make like a little money symbol. This is a, a, a proverb on friendship and I'll just write friendship to the side of that verse. And then as you read through the book, you can see all these themes. So when you have a different topic you want to kind of grow and learn in wisdom, you can go back and find those. Um, so today we're going to be in Proverbs 27, but like I said, we'll be pulling verses from multiple other passages in Proverbs to kind of give us a well-rounded view of friendship. So that hopefully, my prayer, my desire is that we can use this platform of friendship in our lives to worship King Jesus. So Proverbs chapter 27 is where we're going to be. Before we read in this passage, um, thinking about friendship this week, doing a little research and found out um, MIT, uh, the school, it's amazing, uh, when international students are coming into the school, they try to prepare them to build friendships as they come into the college, Right? And so all these international students are required to read this article to understand what friendship looks like with an American. As I'm reading this, um, I'm finding it fascinating because this is what this school, MIT, is telling people it takes to have a friendship with somebody like you and like me. So what are they telling international students about us as Americans and what that looks like to have friendship? So this, I want to read a portion of the article to you. This is what it says to the, to the international students. Have you ever been confused about how friendship is defined in American culture? Americans often call people their friend really easily. It's a term that they use loosely. Perhaps because the English language does not offer a viable alternative. The usage of friend may be very different in your country. An analogy that has struck a chord with many of our international students is the comparison between these two things, which you'll see the picture on the screen. Peaches and other nationalities being coconuts. It says Americans are often like a peach. They're soft on the outside, meaning that they're easy to approach, but their pit is much harder. It's harder to get to know an American well and to create a real friendship. In contrast, many of you come from nations where people are like coconuts. (laughs) They have a hard outside, but once you can get through the outside, it's a pleasant interior. 
where you find real friendship once you've got through the outside. If you would truly like to get to know an American and be a friend, ask them if they would like to have coffee or lunch. They might even suggest, let's get coffee or lunch sometime. But it seems like they really don't mean it. (laughs) However, if they're really serious about it, they'll propose a time or a place for you to meet. And if you would like to meet with them and you're serious about it, why don't you propose to them a time and a place to meet? Americans really value their time. It's tied to their independence and their, private, and their privacy. So they'll politely accept many times, but then not show up or follow up with you. Which, let me just take a pause right there, commentary on this. That's called lying, okay? And that's lying if you're going to say you're going to show up and you don't, okay? But they're just trying to help these guys understand what friendship looks like in America. He said they don't want to overcommit, and they, if they don't have time or interest, then don't take it personally, encourage you to keep trying to make friends with Americans. (laughs) That is how MIT is telling international students to build friendships with you and I. It's confusing, it's hard work, and I don't know about you, but you might read this and be like, I'm not an international student, but I feel that way. Like, it's hard to forge friendships. It's hard to build relationships like this. I feel like everybody is a a coconut with a pit of of a peach inside. And what I want us to see in this passage is that God has a design for friendship. This is not just something that's on the back burner of the heart of God. God created us in a healthy way as human beings to have community and to have friendship. So how do we forge friendships? Even more importantly than that, how do we make sure that we're not worshiping friendship, but instead using friendship as a gift that God has given us to ultimately worship Him? So let's look in Proverbs chapter 27, starting in verse 5, and I'll read through verse 10. It says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to the one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird who strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in your day of calamity. Better is a neighbor or a friend who is near than a brother who is far away. Pray with me this morning. Lord, we praise you for you have made us. You've created us in your image and designed us to live in relationship with others. But we confess this morning that we've taken this good gift of friendship and we've either abused it or we've abandoned it. And so, Lord, help us today to look to your example and help us to become better friends so that we might worship you well in this area of our lives. Now take a moment to pray something similar to God, that he would help you to see the biblical view of friendship and that you would live it out today. Would you pray and ask him to do that? And then would you also pray for me as I open up this passage and many other verses that we would see and understand God's truth clearly so that God would speak through his word through me today. Pray for me now. 
Lord Jesus, help us to see and to love you and others more today by taking this passage and applying it to our everyday lives and creating everyday worship. It's in your name we ask. Amen. All right, in this passage that I just read to you, there are three qualities that we find of of a genuine friend. Now, friendship can certainly be more than these three qualities that we find here, but it's certainly not less than these three. So I want to try to sum all these three up in one sentence, and then we'll go through as we look at this passage and break it down. So this is the sentence you'll see it on the screen. The way that we worship God through friendships is found in truth, in trust, and in faithfulness. The way that we're going to see this passage and understand it and apply it to our life is that we're going to worship God by giving truth, trust, and faithfulness in our friendships. All right, so let's understand that a little bit more. What are these qualities meaning when we say truth, trust, and faithfulness? First, let's worship Jesus in friendships by speaking truth, by speaking truth. In verses 5 and 6, these are kind of parallel verses that highlight the same things. But verse 6 is where I want to kind of center in on because it's an interesting verse. It's a verse that as you read it, it does make you stop and think a little bit. Because if you look, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, if we were to take this and, and make this sentence a fill-in-the-blank for us, and we were to take out wounds and we were to take out kisses, put those in our word bank over here, And I gave you the sentence and I said, I want you to put these words in the right order without knowing this verse. I mean, we will look at it and say, oh, this is easy. Faithful are the kisses of a friend, right? But profuse are the wounds of an enemy. Like that's how we would translate this, right? That would make sense in our mind. But that's not what God says. So what in the world is God trying to communicate to us when he says this? Faithful are the wounds of a friend? Profuse are the kisses of an enemy? What are these wounds of a friend? What are these friendly wounds that he's talking about? And the answer is these friendly wounds are a metaphor for our words. Words that a friend would speak to us in truth, though they might be painful for us, we desperately need to hear them. We need to hear them. You see, acquaintances, people who aren't our friends, people we just kind of know and maybe know us a little bit, they're not willing to say these words because even though they know they'd be true, They don't know you well enough to speak them. So they don't have the courage to say them. Or maybe we haven't built up trust over time in order to speak these true words to you. So somebody who can't speak them or won't speak them really aren't your friend. But we need to speak words like this. We need friends in our lives that are willing to correct us when we're off, even when it hurts. We need somebody that will look at us and say, you really shouldn't speak to your wife like that. We need a friend in our life that will look at us and say, man, I don't know how wise it is for you to spend your money or your time in that way. It's probably not the best thing for you or your family. Or maybe we need somebody to just be honest with us and say, do not break up with somebody over a text message. Don't do that. Like, that is not honoring the person when you're speaking it through a text message and ending a relationship. We need somebody to speak those truths to us. I mean, we as a culture know that we need people to speak truth like that. I mean, there was a whole show, there's a whole series that was built off this principle of us not being willing to tell other people the truth. It's called American Idol. 
Any of you that's watched the first few episodes, when people get up there and they start to sing and they're terrible, man, they didn't have a friend in their life. They didn't have somebody that's willing to say, you're just not good. You're just not good. You're not good at singing. You know what they had? They had an enemy who was profuse with their kisses. You're an incredible singer. You know what you need to do? You need to hop on American Idol. Like, they will definitely take you up. You're going to win this whole thing, right? We need somebody to speak these truths even when they're painful. Even when they're painful. You see, this last half in verse 6, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Man, what that means is they'll speak nice words to you. They'll be kind to your face. But behind your back, they're really not your friend. They might be using you for their own gain. And it's sad because this proverb right here, profuse are the kisses of the enemy, has ultimately found its fulfillment in Judas in the New Testament. Where Jesus, and we'll get to this in a little bit, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you are my friends. And then Judas walks up and kisses Jesus on the side of the face. You see... We need to speak words, and we will speak words. But are we going to speak those wounds which correct over time? Or are we going to always be speaking encouragement, but a false sense of encouragement? And we might think, I don't really want a wound. I don't really want that, that pain. But deep down in our heart, we, we really do want truth. We do, and we realize we need it. I mean, think about it in other areas of our lives. Imagine if you took your car to get worked on this week and the mechanic says, man, your car looks amazing. You must take care of it all the time. Like the oil was perfectly clean. Everything looks amazing in there. Like you, man, pat you on the back. You take care of your car really well. And you leave there and you're driving to your next appointment. And as you're driving there, like you find out, oh my goodness, my brakes aren't working. And you're trying to push the pedals down. They're not working. And so you have to, you know, turn off the car and use the handbrake. And you're trying to stop your car. And you go back to that mechanic and you're like, wait a second. You told me my car looks amazing. And he's like, yeah, I did. And he's like, but, but it didn't have brake fluid in there. Like it wasn't working. And the brake pads were worn down. Like there was nothing I could do. And he's like, yeah, I did see all that when you had it in here. But man, if I tell people everything that's wrong, it's going to hurt their feelings. And they might not come back. And so I just try to encourage people and build people up so they'll come back and get their car worked on. We'd be like, are you crazy? Like, I didn't come here to get a pat on the back. I came here to get something fixed because I realized my car needs to be taken care of. The same, what if you went to a doctor? And you go into the doctor's office and they do blood work and they examine you and all that kind of stuff. And then they're like, you know what? You have the body of an Olympian. Like it's an amazing, you, you are taking care of your body so well. It's, it's amazing how well you, they pat you on the back. You go out, you feel really well. You get home, you're going back to your apartment, and you're going up the steps or you're in your house and you're going up the steps and your heart starts to give out. And you're like, oh my goodness, you call 911 and the ambulance comes there and it rescues you. And the, the people there look and basically they're like, hey, buddy, your, your, your heart is like all clogged up and, and you were about like one jelly donut away from being dead, right? Like that's where you were. And you're like, wait a second, the doctor just told me that like I had the body of an Olympian. He's like, no, you got a, the body of the Pillsbury Doughboy. Like, no, it's not the Olympian. Like we would want that truth, right? Like we'd go back to the doctor and say like, why did you do that? Well, I just didn't want to hurt your feelings. I wanted you to feel better about yourself. No, we need someone to speak truth in our life, right? We need it. And so this is what this passage is saying. We need a friend in our life that is willing to speak that truth because we talk about our body, we can talk about our cars, but how much more important is our soul to hear that truth and to change? 
This is what a good friend does. Now the question is, if we really want that truth, we need it, then why don't we speak it? And the reality is, it's because we're more of a friend of ourselves than of others. And what I mean about that is we care too much about ourselves that we don't want to have an awkward conversation. That we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings and, and feel rejected by them. And so because we don't want that awkward conversation and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, we would rather care about ourselves than to speak truth and love and to have a hard conversation. But this passage is telling us that's what a friend does. That's what a genuine friend does. That's what a true friend will do for you. So application for this point is this, guys. Let us worship Jesus and our everyday friendships by speaking truth and love. By speaking truth and love. Just a few more verses down from what I read in Proverbs 27, you see verse 17. And it says this, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Iron sharpening iron is not a gentle or smooth process. It's a harsh process. And yet it achieves great results. So may we not shy away from interaction with one another because it sharpens us. It makes us better. We desperately need it. If we are going to be the people that God has called us to be, the people that the world needs us to be as Christians, then we need people to speak truth and love. Now, now listen very carefully with this, this point. It's very important that we get this part of this point. Because if you get the first part, without the second point, you're going you're gonna to lose a lot of friends, not gain a lot of friends, Okay. We do not run up to any random person and cut them down with brass truth, okay? A friend is someone who has earned the right to speak this hard truth. If you speak truth into someone else's life without the investment of time and relationship, you will never gain a friend. You'll actually start to push people away from you. What this passage is calling us to do in verses 5 and 6 is to be candid but kind. Be candid and kind. We're like a doctor with a scalpel who's carefully cutting out a specific disease. We are not a person with a knife that's just running through and slashing and cutting anybody that we want to just because we want to speak all this truth with no love attached to it. I am not telling you today to keep it real and hurt people, but to keep it real and be relational with other people. Be a good friend, and a good friend will risk rejection for the sake of another's good. So let us speak truth in word. Let's be a good friend who loves enough to share the truth. Second, let us worship Jesus in friendship by sharing trust. By sharing trust. We find this in verse 9. It says, oil and perfume make the heart glad, but the sweetness of a friend comes from earnest counsel. So what, what makes friendship so sweet? What makes friendship so great? It says it comes from earnest counsel. Now, earnest counsel, that word earnest first means from the heart, that you speak from the heart. And then counsel is literally a secret, that you're revealing something from the depth of your heart. That if you want to have really good friends, you're going to have to take the armor off and you're going to have to be open and honest with somebody else and to share your heart with them. That's what makes friendship sweet. You cannot hide yourself from everybody and expect to have deep 
friendships. You won't. If you pull yourself back from everybody and you guard your heart all the time and you never open up, then you'll never enjoy the blessing of a friend. Many of us don't trust anyone, so we don't have friends. And the reason why is because we think if people really knew us, then they wouldn't love us. And so we play a show, we play a game, but then you don't really have friendship. Not genuine friendship. You have acquaintances, you have companions, but you don't have a deep, rich sense of friendship. And you need to hear this morning that at the heart of that, when we don't open up and reveal that to somebody else, is pride. It's a weakness not to be open and honest, not with everybody, but at least a few people. It's a weakness. Back in 2015, there was an interview done with Kobe Bryant. It was fascinating. Former basketball all-star, as they were asking him these questions, the topic of friendship came up. And the, the interviewer asked, are you actively choosing not to have friends because you just don't seem to have friends in your life? And Kobe responded and he said, well, yes and no. He says, I, I have friends, but being a great friend, that's something I'll never be. I can be a, maybe a good friend, but not a great friend. A great friend will, will call you during the day, will remember your birthday. He says, I get so wrapped up with my stuff that I don't remember other stuff. And the kind of relationships that you see in movies, that's impossible for me. He says, I have some, some good relationships with people in, in the NBA. LeBron and I text every once in a while, and I text with KG. But in terms of having those great bonding friendships, that's something I will probably never have. And then he said this. He said, and this is not a smug thing. It's a weakness. It's a weakness of mine. So the interviewer followed up and said, do you miss the, the idea of even having great friendship in your life? And Kobe says, of course I do. I'm not saying that I don't need friends because I'm so strong. I'm saying this is a weakness in my life. The same is true of us when we refuse to give earnest counsel to, from the heart, speak truth to one another. This place of pride is hiding in our heart, and that sin of pride is robbing us of deep relationships of friends. And you know what? This didn't start in our time and in our culture. This is something that's happened since the beginning that we hide ourselves from others. And if you know the Bible well and you go back, when, when sin entered into the world, Adam and Eve go and they, they sow fig leaves and they cover themselves up. They're hiding themselves. From who? At that point, God's not walking in the garden with them. There's only two people in the garden and they're hiding themselves from each other. That's what sin does. Sin comes into our lives and we start to say, man, these insecurities in my lives, there's different things like that, there's pride, and we start to hide ourselves from one another. Our fig leaves might look different, but we're still sowing fig leaves and hiding ourselves from one another. And so there's no genuine friendship that's happening. So the application with this is, would you be willing, would you be willing to trust someone? And would you be willing to be trustworthy? Would you be willing to trust someone? And at the same time, would you be willing to be trustworthy so that you're worthy to be a friend? Now, this passage, nor me, is telling you to go share everything with everyone. 
Like that's not what this pastor is saying, that every person you meet, you need to tell them everything that's going on in your heart and your life. There's a reason why there's a singular form of friend here in verse 9. The sweetness of a friend, not friends, right? Because there's not, you don't share your heart and everything with everyone, but there at least should be one person or a few people that you'd be willing to share your struggles and know as you share your heart, maybe 30% of what you say is off or 50%. But if they're your friend, then they'll be able to speak that truth and love to you to correct you when you're off. And let's be honest, sometimes when we just speak stuff out loud and we, we speak, and we're like, whoa, that was off. Just kind of, I, was, I, I didn't have time to filter it. I didn't have an on-deck circle in my mind. So I just was speaking those things. But I'm glad you're a friend not judging me for that. We need those people in our lives. But at the same time, we need to be trustworthy so that people can speak those truths to us. I have seen people do this, where somebody will trust them as a friend and share those deep concerns of their heart, and then that person will take it and use it to build friends with other people. They'll gossip and be like, man, did you just hear what they're struggling with? And they try to build that friendship with somebody else, find favor with them by sharing somebody else's deep heart issues. Don't do that. If somebody trusts you with these truths and opens their heart up to you, be a faithful and good friend to respect that and to care for them and to love them. We, if we want to be good friends and have good friends, then let us trust others and at the same time, let us be trustworthy. Last thing that we find in this passage is let's worship Jesus through friendships by showing faithfulness by showing faithfulness look at verse 10 it says do not forsake your friend this is a call for us to be consistent sadly fair weather friends are plentiful there are a lot of people who will be with you in the ups and they abandon you in the downs this book of Proverbs highlights that over and over and over again, that there are a lot of fair weather friends in life. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 20 says this, the poor are disliked even by their neighbor, but the rich, the rich have many friends. Those who are on the, the mountaintop, those that are going through good times, man, they have many friends. Those that are going through hard times and those who are struggling, man, they're disliked by everybody, even their neighbor. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 4, wealth Brings many new friends. But a poor man is deserted by his friend. You see that? Here on the up and up, everything's going well, you'll have many new friends. There'll be a lot of people that love you, a lot of people that want to be around you. And a lot of people who go through those ups, that go through times of success, those are the people that struggle and they're like, I don't even know who my friends are. Is that person my friend? Because they seemed to like kind of jumped on the train when everything was going well. But then a poor man, somebody who's down in the dumps, they're deserted by their friend. Fairweather friends are everywhere. That's not what God has called us to be as Christian friends and Christian community with one another. You see, if they abandon you in those down moments, then they aren't your real friends. A real friend is consistent and faithful. They keep showing up on the good days and the bad days. True friends gather around you while everybody else scatters. And when your life is shattered, a genuine friend will gather to you. Another proverb, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says this, A friend loves at all times, at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. 
That first part there, when it says a friend loves at all times, what does that mean? Does that mean you have to be with your friend all the time and you spend all this time with them and as you spend time, like there's love there? That's not what that's saying, okay? When it says a friend loves at all times, that's saying all seasons of life. The, the good and the bad, a friend is there at all times. In the ordinary times, in the routine times, in the good times, in the bad times, a friend loves at all times. If you want to know who your friends are, then look at time and trouble because time and trouble will both reveal who your tr- true friends are. Your true friends will move in when everybody else moves out. So look at time. Look at the people around you, those that have stuck close to you in those winter seasons. Those are your friends, your true friends. When trouble hits you, the one who leans in to help care and serve for you, that is a true friend, not a fair-weather friend. Now the reality is, as we say this, we have to grasp this truth with this passage. To have friendship like this, to have somebody there over time, And all times will take time. We say that again. To have friendship like this, to have somebody there that will be there at all times, will take time. To be a faithful friend will cost us something. Will cost us time. This is one of the reasons why we love social media friendships. And I'm on social media. I get it. But one of the reasons why we like it so much is because it's easy and it's clean and it's quick. But that's not where deep roots of friendship are formed. It takes many, many winters and summers to see the fruit of a good friendship ripen. It does. You'll go through many winters and many summers before you'll see a good friendship ripen. And that's one of the things that kills community. It's because we look and we're like, I've got to find my best friend tomorrow. I've got to find my best friend today. That's why some of you have gone to small groups here and then bailed out of them because you went one week and you went the second week and you're like, I didn't find my best friend in two weeks and so I'm out. When the reality is it takes time. It takes time to build relationships like this. And so don't let the, the picture of idealism steal away what true friendship is. It's something that happens over time and consistency. We have to be faithful, both personally and then looking at others and the faithfulness they have in their life. Friendship is not for lazy people. It's not for lazy people. Friendship is good and it's a good pursuit, but it's a hard pursuit. To be a good friend will cost you something. To be a good friend, you have to be willing to be inconvenienced for someone else's advantage. And that's the application point I would have for this. Let us be willing to be inconvenienced for someone else's advantage. Let us be willing to be inconvenienced for someone else's advantage. If you aren't willing to be inconvenienced so that someone else can be advantaged then you aren't a friend yet. If you can't think of anyone that you would disadvantage yourself for, then you may not be a good friend yet. Is there someone that you think about that you say, I would give my Saturday in a heartbeat for them? I would give my Saturday up. Is there someone you look at and you're like, I would give finances for them without asking a second question if they needed it? 
Is there somebody that you look at and you're like, if I saw or heard of a need in their life, I would step out and be inconvenienced to serve them and to care for them. Is there somebody like that? Is there somebody like that in your life? That's what friendship looks like. Now, with this, I could end the sermon here today and just say, go be a good friend and have truth, trust, and faithfulness. But that would be insufficient for us. Honestly, I feel like that would be harmful for us if we walked away and just did that because that is not what we as a church are called to do. We're called to worship King Jesus with these things. And this is a call for us to live out these things. What we have to know, what we have to understand in order to be the deepest and truest of friends is we have to know Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the reminder and the resource for our friendships. Let me tell you what I mean by this. You'll see verses that come up on the screen real quick here. These are all in the New Testament. It's telling us what it looks like to have Christian community and friendship. And this is what it looks like. We should love one another, right? It's what John chapter 13 tells us. It says, welcome one another. Be hospitable to one another. Romans 15. Bear one another's burdens. This is what God calls us to do. This is what good Christian friendship and community looks like. And then it says, forgive one another in Ephesians chapter 4. There are many, many more, but I highlight these four. But in the New Testament, what's amazing about this is, it tells us in here that Jesus is the one that helps us do these things. Jesus is the one that is our reminder for these things. Look at the second half of these verses on the screen. Love one another, how? Just as I have loved you. Jesus is the example. He's the reminder for us. Welcome one another. How do we do that? As Christ has welcomed you. How's that worship? When you do that, it's for the glory of God, Romans 15 tells us. This is worship. You're like, no, 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 this is really simple. Yes, it's simple, but it's extremely important to God. It's reflecting who he is. Bear one another's burdens. And what? And fulfill the law of Christ. Because this is what Christ did for us. He bore our burdens. He bore our sin on the cross. He is the ultimate friend. Forgive one another. How? As Christ forgave you. Christ is that example. Christ is that picture. He's the reminder of what friendship looks like. And so when we've forgotten, when our hearts have grown cold and hardened towards others, we remember Christ. And he shows us the example of what friendship looks like. But Jesus isn't just the example and the reminder of friendship. Jesus is also the source of friendship. John chapter 15 says this. Greater love has no one than this. That someone would lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus says to those who believe in him. Don't miss this. He says it to those who believe in him. You are my friends. You're my friends if you do what I commanded you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. And you see what Jesus is saying in John 15? This is the beautiful picture of the gospel. We and our deepest hearts long for friendship. And Jesus is like, I have made a way for you to have genuine, true friendship. This is a call for us to to look to him. This is an invitation to us to find the friendship that we long for. Our, Our greatest love in our life, the greatest love we will ever know will not be found in marriage. It will not be found in family. It's going to be found in the love and friendship of Jesus Christ.
And the way that he made it possible for us to be friends with God is through him giving his life for us. Think about it. All the truths that we find here in Proverbs chapter 27 and throughout the book of Proverbs finds their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the genuine friend who spoke truth to us. He tells us over and over again in the New Testament that we are sinners, that we are slaves to sin. He tells us that. That's a wound. Wait, Jesus, you're telling me there's something wrong with me? Yes. Man, that hurts. Don't tell me anything's wrong with me. I feel like I'm pretty good. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. You need rescue. You need freedom. See, Jesus is not coming to us to wound us as an enemy. He's being a faithful friend. And so, yes, he speaks this truth that we're a sinner, but at the same time, he speaks it in love that he's given us the way of salvation. And Jesus can be trusted. He is trustworthy. He's the only one, the only one who will always know the depths of your heart and still love you. He knows every single thing about you, everything you've done, everything you will do. And he says, I'll still go and lay down my life for you and die on the cross. This is what Jesus does because he is trustworthy. And God's word also tells us that Jesus is always faithful, even when we are faithless. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus is the true and better friend. So as we come now to take the Lord's Supper, let this be a reminder to us how he is the example of friendship. He's the reminder, but he's also the resource of all of our friendship. As we take the Lord's Supper, the, the word of God is extremely clear for us that this is a this is his table. This is the Lord's table. And so I don't get to choose who's invited to this table. Jesus is already invited through his word, those who can take the Lord's Supper. And he says, for all who have believed in me, do this in remembrance of me. And so if you are here today and you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, then Jesus would say, hey, what you need to do during this time is, is look to me. Have you realized the truth of John 15, that there's no greater love than this, that he would lay down his life? This is preaching to you the gospel that he's calling you and inviting you to believe today. Would you look and believe that he has given his body on the cross for you? And then would you look at this and remember that his blood was shed to forgive you of your sins so that he would look at you and not call you a servant, but friend? So if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, look at this and remember this today. And in this moment of silence, this moment of prayer that I'm going to give you, would you pray and allow Jesus to come into your heart, save you and forgive you of your sins. He'll call you friend. For those of us who have trusted in Jesus and know him as our friend, God's word invites us to confess our sins, that we come to this moment with a clean heart and clean mind and use this as a moment to remember our sins are forgiven because he gave his body and shed his blood. So what we want to do now is give you a few moments to confess your sins or confess him as Lord in your life. And let me start us with prayer and I'll give you a few moments and then we'll take the Lord's Supper. Let's pray together now. Lord, we come right now in a prayer of repentance and confession. Some of us need to be honest right now, Lord, that we have not been a good friend. 
we've gossiped about others. We've tried to gain favor with others by using some of the earnest counsel that some have shared with us. God, forgive us of that. We haven't reflected you and your example well in that. Lord, would you forgive us for being farewell friends? Those that when hard times hit, they just say farewell and they move on. Instead, Lord, help us to be faithful and consistent friends that are willing to sacrifice for the good of others. Forgive us when we have not done that. And Lord, for the others in this room that need to confess the sin of not being a friend of yours, God, you tell us in John 15 that you are my friend if you do what I have commanded you. And we just need to take a moment and confess there's a lot of things that we have not obeyed your commands in. We have not been faithful to. And so, Lord, would you remind us through your example of your giving of your body and the shedding of your blood, Lord, that you have made a way to have forgiveness of our sins, that we could be friends.